Reading from Psalm 127, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you may be seated. I am only preaching on the first two verses of this psalm, but... uh, This psalm also includes uh, words, beautiful words, about the blessing of life, the blessing of birth and children. And uh, it is always a good reminder in the current uh, climate of our culture to be reminded that birth and life is God's gift and that we should seek to protect it I believe that this passage is quite pro-life as well. So uh, I think I'd be a bit remiss to at least not mention that before I get into preaching on the first two verses. I think the first two verses uh, discuss a lot about what you're on about building. So what are you on about building? What do you spend your time building? If I ask my kids that, probably the first thing that they would respond with is they'd talk about what they're building in Minecraft. Uh, They they love to build in Minecraft. Uh, There's flat worlds, like uh, you can go into certain worlds that are already pre-built, and then there's flat worlds, and then you can kind of build anything out of that, whatever your imagination leads you to. It's probably the thing that consumes their minds the most. It's not a very Christian ultimate consummation they you know there maybe there should be other things it should be more on their mind but minecraft is mostly on their mind or roblox they really like that too i'm not promoting minecraft or roblox i'm just stating the reality of what is but uh they are building so many things in minecraft and it's kind of fun to see what they do and i I like the creativity of it all um uh but many of you are building busy building on work projects There's various physical things that you're building, other whole projects that aren't exactly physical. Maybe your work project is a massive Excel sheet that uh, is something that would drown me in, right? But somehow you know how to navigate that and you can build it with formulas and whatnot. So there's things that you're building. Uh, Some are building social media presences, right? Friendship groups, followings, Uh, we could be building a list of achievements. I think we all have various achievements that we're working on building. Um, I like to uh, go out into the mountains uh, once in a while and hike them. Uh, I remember the last day of the year, uh, I hiked a particular mountain 
And I realized this mountain was one that everybody's working on building their Strava account with. I, it's like a thing where you kind of always work for like this particular run and, and how fast you could do it. So that was a whole new group of people that I saw. And they're building their achievements on Strava, how fast they can get that route done. Um, there's a lot of things that people are building, uh, different mountain peaks that they're uh, working on getting under their belt uh, or uh, spending time uh, conquering video games. And we build physical things. We build uh, non-physical things like Excel spreadsheets. We build uh, also relationships. Some are very active about building into relationships. Some people love to be connectors. You know, I see the Pullmans here. We've got uh, their children at our, well, their daughter and, and son-in-law at our house. And I think uh, their son-in-law, Marlon, is like a, a, a people builder. He's like a connector. He just loves connecting people together. And uh, um, there's just, you know, relationships, connecting people. Uh, there's also building various ministries of various kinds. We're on about building the church up. We want to see the church grow. And within that, there's lots of projects within that as well. There is so much we're on about building. And I think if you ask about the question of what are you on about building, then there's also the question of what are you protecting? Because that's actually what comes after building or even during the time of building as well. I mean, you may build a house. Maybe you paid, you were working on your work to pay for a house and a house is getting built and then you actually end up owning that house and now you have to protect it. You have to upkeep it. That makes sense. You have to protect and upkeep your house. Um, and, uh, and so we spend time building the thing. We also spend time protecting the thing. And, and so there's upkeep. Uh, these are the things that we spend our days doing. You're on about building something. You spend your time with something. And what if I told you that it was all useless? It's all useless unless God is ultimately on about building that thing or protecting that thing. That's a wordplay that R.C. Sproul, when he uh, preached on this passage, brought up. That what you're building is useless. The time that you're spending on things is useless unless God is on about building that thing. Right? Unless the Lord builds the house, verse 1. The laborers build in vain. It's vain. Unless... And I think he's spot on about that, R.C. Sproul is. Our passage today makes us ask hard questions about what we're actually spending our energies on. It encourages us to cease worrying about the outcomes that only God can control. It ultimately allows us, I believe, for better rest, better sleep, what a timely sermon. When I, was, I picked this one, I didn't realize it was daylight savings time. Does anybody here want more and better rest? And I was filled with all the productivity things. Yes, I do. I'm sure I'm not the only one. 
I mean, I've got a, a eight and a 10 year old and a one year old, big caboose. I would like better rest. But before, yeah, so, so as, as we look at this, I just want to reread those first two verses. That is the focus of, our, of the sermon here. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, build it, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. That's a fascinating passage, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's quite, quite a passage. In it, we read about a number of things, but one thing we read about is work. The fact of the matter is you do work, right? God created us to work. Right? Labor, six days you labor, and on the seventh day you rest, right? Uh, we work. Let's be very clear about that. This psalm implies that you work. I think of very real biblical examples of this word of God playing out um, is when the exiles returned from Babylon. And as Ezra and Nehemiah uh, the, and the Jews, they worked on rebuilding the temple and the walls around Jerusalem. And even, by the way, they protected. So they worked and protected. They built and protected while they did it. In Nehemiah chapter 4, you can read about that, that they're building the walls. They got a tool in one hand and a sword in the other hand. And they're just being faithful followers of God to work. We work on what God calls us to work on. And by the way, if we're working on what God calls us to work on, there's sort of a flip of that that says, should you be working on other things that God's not calling you to work on? Do you spend your time on the things that God wants you to spend your time on? And do you spend your time on the things that God does not want you to spend your time on? I mean, I just, I say this to my congregation all the time. I get way more out of my sermons than anybody else. I preach much more to myself than I ever would preach to you. This is extremely convicting for me. But is God, the things that you think about, those projects that you're working on, the things that you spend so much time on, is God wanting you to spend that much time on that thing? That's a good question to ask. This does not mean that we cannot spend some of our time enjoying God's blessings, like enjoying the beauty of the great outdoors, God's great outdoors, enjoying the beautiful people that God placed around us. We should do this. Playing games with our minds and with our physical bodies is good. But do, we do need to think about how much time we spend on certain activities. And if they become obsessive and get in the way of other calls of God on our lives, we must be honest with ourselves in these matters. Would we hope to get retired and then spend our retirement saying, hey, I've done all my work now. I get to just, uh, you know, and it's one of John Piper's 
uh, one of his famous sermons, he says, collecting seashells on the shore. That they just pretty much spend their whole retirement doing that. I'm not saying if you're retired, collecting seashells is not wrong. Just depends on how much time you're spending collecting seashells and how you go about that. Maybe you're a professional seashell collector and you're doing your job for the glory of the Lord. That's a possibility. But God might not be on about what you're working so hard on. Because something is useless unless God is on about what we are on about. And if he is on about what we're on about, then you can rest assured that the thing will actually succeed and will actually be valuable and ultimately bring glory to God and help us to love God and our neighbor. If we're on about building something that God is also ultimately building, then our work is not futile or useless, but it is fruitful and useful and we will succeed. So in this chapter, in, this, in these two verses, we very clearly see that we work. But also one thing, and this is the big part that draws me to this chapter, is that we can also rest. I love it. We rest. Isn't rest just a nice thing, just the thought of rest? It's good. So not only do we busy ourselves doing what God would have us do, we do even when we're doing the things, we even do it in a restful way. And we're even given the gift of literal sleep. In view here, in, in this passage and also others, God does actually give us the actual thing of sleep, like head-on pillow kind of sleep. This psalm says that sleep is a gift of God. Have you ever thought of sleep as God's gift to you? Do you think of sleep that way? Have you ever said, God, thank you for the sleep I'm about to enjoy? Or when you woke up from sleep, have you said, God, thank you for sleep? I think that there's a lot of times we may pray to God, God, will you give me sleep as a request? But do you do you praise him and thank him for the sleep that he actually gives you? I know I have, but I don't think I do it enough. We should thank the Lord for all of his gifts. And this psalm very clearly says that sleep is actually a gift that he gives to you. When you go to sleep tonight, thank God for the sleep that he will give you. Direct your affections in that way. What an interesting thing sleep is. John Piper, he has this um, quote. Oh, there's the verse up there. But uh, I know it's really hard to see. I should have made uh, a better slide here. And my, you guys have widescreen and mine is like three by four screen. I, I should have changed this, but I'll read it out for you. Have you ever wondered why God made us in such a way that we have to sleep away a third of our lives. God could have designed a human being that was always fresh and rested and needed no sleep. Why did he decree 
that sleep be a part of the human experience? John Piper says, I'll give you my opinion. He wanted to give a universal reminder to the human race that we are but children and ought to own up to it. We are so frail that we have to become helpless and unconscious and blind and weak every day in order to live at all. It's kind of an interesting way to think about that, isn't it? Sleep is a terribly humbling experience. We are never more weak, never more childlike than when we sleep in faith. And has not God said, my power is made perfect in weakness. And unless you turn and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. It's fascinating. There's reasons uh, for you not to get good nights of sleep. Because we all want them, right? Um, and, and I think sometimes the reasons we don't get good sleep sometimes is for various reasons. Uh, sometimes it's too much blue light, uh, right? Before, from your phones at night, right? Um, I, you know, my wife and I, we uh, have made a commitment, but then she kind of went back on it because it doesn't actually affect her as much. Um, uh, it affects me more. So my phone is always plugged uh, into, uh, plugged in in the kitchen and not in the bedroom. Uh, it has been amazing for me. I encourage you to do it. If your phone is plugged in right next to, beside your bed, um, really encourage you to change that uh, practice. It's not helpful, probably. Some people can handle it. I know I can't. Um, but uh, there's, there's other Bible passages that might speak to why it would be foolish for you to plug your phone in beside your bed. This isn't that one. This one doesn't get into that one per se. Um, I think lack of exercise and uh, daily rhythms is another reason for lack of sleep. If you want better sleep, use your body. A used body is a healthy body. Get exercise. It'll help you sleep a lot. That's good. And you'll be able to have more resilience during the day while you're working as well. That's good. That's again, though, not what this passage is about. But those are just like little side benefits. Uh, take that from Dr. Matt. I'm not a doctor, never mind. But anxiety and having things on your mind and, uh, and, uh, that are out of your control does very much fit this passage. The anxiety that we have, it says this, it is in vain that you rise up early and go, to, go late to rest. So it's in vain that you have such a short night as you are eating the bread of anxious toil. Anxious toil. Anxiety is a thing that's on the mind here in this. And, and uh, we can rest in God because God's active. We know that God rested, don't we? How do we know that? How he created the world, right? He created the world in six days. On the seventh day, we know that he rested. But in Psalm 121, verse 4, we read, 
Behold, he, God, who keeps Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. So God has rested, but he does not sleep. God does not sleep. We can sleep. Do you know why? Because God doesn't. You can go to sleep because he doesn't sleep. I know it sounds trite, but it's kind of like Jesus, take the wheel. We can sleep because God never does. He never slumbers nor sleeps. Now, I didn't just find the only passage that says this. In Psalm 35, or 3, verse 5, um, this, is, this is, by the way, written when King David has Absalom seeking to kill him, to take his life. And he says this, I laid down, and slept while someone's literally trying to kill me, which probably none of you have had that level of anxiety. My guess, right? That type of thing. I haven't. And I woke again. By the way, why did he wake up again? Because the Lord sustained him. The reason why David woke up that morning was because God wanted him to wake up that morning. You know, if God didn't want him to wake up that morning, then God would have woken him up into glory. And I'm thinking that David would be like, oh God, why did you bring me into heaven? Oh, it's so bad. Either you're going to wake up because God wanted you to wake up and praise the Lord. Or you don't wake up and then you really wake up in heaven and praise the Lord. You can't lose when you go to sleep in the Lord. Not only is there that passage, there's also this passage in Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I can sleep because the Lord sustains me and keeps me safe. We can sleep. Because he never sleeps. Real rest is a real Christian kind of thing. Good rest is a Christian kind of thing. The rest that we have in the Lord is a marked contrast from the non-Christian. I imagine being not being a Christian. You know, the thing the, the faith that I have because of the Word of God helps me to rest. I can't imagine how restless I would be were I not Christian. Especially thinking, uh, you know, if I, if I thought about like the thoughtful atheist. Like, because there's some atheists I don't think are very thoughtful. And there's also some atheists who are extremely thoughtful. And I pity them greatly. Because I couldn't imagine trying to figure out like, how to do life when actually everything really does depend on us, really does depend on me. If I don't, if I drop these balls, these things will fall and it will crash and it will not be good. That's a scary thought. Imagine yourself being an atheist. That's scary thinking. My anxiety would be through the roof. But actually, when you think about society, Right now, so much of our culture is atheistic. It is anti-God. 
It does not have any of the benefits that we as his people have. And anxiety is through the roof today. People are trying to juggle everything and it depends ultimately on them in their minds. And Augustine was right when he said that the heart is restless unless it rests in thee. We can sleep, especially if we've been busy working while it was the day and we're good and tired. We're ready to sleep. We know that while we sleep, God is still active. The ball will not drop while we sleep unless actually God wants that ball to drop. Sometimes he's actually carrying a ball and he intentionally wants it to drop. You know, I think even just this last week, this big classes meeting, um, there was probably a number of anxieties leading up to this meeting. And every anxiety of that meeting was in vain. Everyone who had anxious thoughts about the classes meeting, it was all vain, anxious thoughts. I had some of those vain, anxious thoughts. Like, oh, what if, and oh, man, I hope that, oh, crap, this sucks. Classes went exactly how God wanted classes to go. He had it, everything worked out. Nothing happened outside of his will. And I do believe that God did some very special, beautiful, powerful things at that meeting. It was beautiful to see strong Christian Faithful witnesses stand at that meeting and uphold the truth of God. Beautiful, good things happened. While we are awake, we can go uh, to work in a restful way. We are called to simply do what God calls us to do. And ultimate success does not depend on our effort and success Our labor is useless unless God is on about what we're doing. I find it interesting the way that Paul addresses the Romans in Romans chapter 6. He says, you know you have died to sin, right? In Christ, you've died to sin, so then why would you still live in it? You're freed from it. And it was true. You were freed from sin, so why would you live in it? But the thing is, is that they needed that encouragement. They needed Paul to point out the obvious, to encourage them in holy living, rightness. And similarly, the Christian can be freed from worry and sleeplessness that's caused by anxiety that is due in part to not just trusting in God. I'm not saying all anxiety is just this, but honestly, when it really comes down to it, I don't know really what isn't. I don't know of a single anxious thought that if they could literally see, it's, it's like in, it's like in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, right, where all the kids are, are worried about something, everything seems to be just falling apart. 
And you got this anxiousness because C.S. Lewis is building the tension in you, right? And he's making you, you a little nervous. Oh no, it seems like everything's going to fall apart. Oh, it's bad. And then it's this, I heard Aslan's on the move. Everything's just like, wow. Yeah, everything's just fine. It's like, I, I don't know of a single anxious thought that if the person could literally see God in the flesh standing right by him, Jesus Christ saying, saying hey, uh, you know I know all about all that stuff. You know I know every aspect of what's to come. I've got this all in my hand. And I'm saying it's all going to be okay. And if the person could literally hear Jesus Christ saying, you don't need to worry. Don't be anxious. And if that person literally trusted Jesus Christ, I don't know what anxiety actually couldn't be relieved. And I'm saying that I'm not the perfect listener also then of Christ. Because there are times that I lose sleep over anxious thoughts. I'm not holy yet. Fully. I am holy, but not fully holy. I'm in the process of sanctification. I am learning more and more how to trust in Christ. But the more we trust in Christ, the more our anxiety goes away. If he's actually got it, which he does, it's all going to be okay. This is one of God's gifts to us. He gives us sleep. He also gives us rest. He gives us peace of mind. And if, by the way, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Maybe you die. You're going on a scary road trip. And the weather is horrible. You might die. How bad really is that? If you die in the Lord, God's got it. God also has in his hands the people who would miss you. He cares for you. And we can trust him in every situation. There is nothing we cannot hand off to him. His hands are very capable. We are given a good gift of God, so let us accept that gift. Some of us need that emotional permission to just let go and let God. It's a very trite-sounding phrase, but I, 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 th I think that we're called to do that in a passage like that's before us. This does not mean that we should not be faithful, by the way, in obedience. God has given you a task. You prepare. For example, this last week, I and Pastor David, we prepared and also Elders, deacons, prepared. You, you put in your time. You do your work in the Lord. So it doesn't mean that you just let everything go of God saying, I want you to, you know, work with this. But we do trust him. This is all about trusting God. You can trust God to do the work that he calls you to. And know that God will make it successful if he wants it to be successful. One last quote here by John Piper. 
God can accomplish more good for those who trust him while they sleep than they can accomplish with anxious labor while awake. That's our God. How are you going to trust in God this week? I encourage you, uh, maybe around the lunch table or uh, if you're on the phone with somebody that's very close to you, uh, to talk about these two verses and say, hey, I, uh, I need to learn how to rest uh, and what, can I, what have I not been trusting into God's hands that I need to trust in his hands? And also at the same time, again, and how do I need to go about working on the things that God wants me to work on? Keep work and rest in a beautiful uh, uh, combination there. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. We are thankful for how much you love us, how much you care for us. We are thankful that you never sleep. You are always so very active on physical things, emotional things, spiritual things, big things and small things. We thank you that you have given us agency, an ability to do work, that you uh, have included us in the work that you are doing. We thank you for that responsibility. But Lord, also help us to do all of this in a restful way, to just simply trust you, to trust and obey. Help us to go to sleep tonight. Help our bodies to adjust another hour here as well. Help us to wake up tomorrow ready and willing to do your will for what you have set before us. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.